Okay, Tools of the Trade. You see that as the title here. So we just completed a study, you know, through the book of Acts called Heroes of the Faith. And the last trait we studied, I'm going to do a little review here on the Apostle Paul's life, was this. We said one of the most heroic things you can do is to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. That's absolutely heroic. When you share the gospel with a non-believer wherever you find yourself, we give you three facts about your life, where you are today, and we're just going to review this real quick. God leads you right where he wants you to go. And the Bible says, Acts 23, 11, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So God has places for you to testify about him, not necessarily Rome, but he's at work moving you where he wants you to go to be around people who need to hear the gospel. Second, God has you right where he wants you to be. Acts 17 says, for one man, he made all the nations that Jesus made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. God put you where you were in life growing up so that, guess what? God could raise up someone to share with you the gospel so that you would come to know Jesus Christ and then you could also share with other people about Jesus Christ. God is in control of all history and of all time and of all geography. And he moves you where he wants you to be so you could hear the gospel, respond, become his follower, but then also tell others. God's purpose, thirdly, in all of this is that you would share the gospel wherever you find yourself. But you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the whole theme of the book of Acts, so that you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That means you have the Holy Spirit's power in you so you can be his witness wherever you go, whether it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, doesn't matter. Why are you at your place of employment to share the gospel? Why are you in your neighborhood to share the gospel? Why do you meet that person that you met on vacation when you were in wherever? so you could share the gospel. God is arranging all of this all the time. Your life is an ongoing divine appointment. God is constantly arranging opportunities for you to share with others the gospel. Billy Graham, don't miss the point of your life. What's the point of your life? Not to make a living, not to have a wonderful family. I mean, that's great, but that's not the point of your life. The point of your life, once you are saved, is to declare the gospel, to share the gospel with people that need to be saved. That's so clear throughout the Bible. Now, we studied Paul's life, and we discovered three ways that Paul, as he went through life, shared the gospel. Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by praying for people. Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by meeting with people. And lastly, wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by welcoming and telling people about Jesus. So we go through life praying, meeting, welcoming people, sharing with people about Jesus. Now, the book of Acts ends with these two verses in Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. 
He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Awesome. So Paul is welcoming non-Christians. He's praying for non-Christians. He's sharing the gospel with non-Christians. Now, that's where we left it last Sunday. And so we're doing this Sunday because you guys were like in protest, wanting me to share, what do we say, Mark? Because it's great that we see that Paul shared the gospel, but what did Paul share? And how did he do it? That's the question we want to answer. What do you say to a non-Christian? Pretend you have 10 minutes with a non-Christian or 20, or an hour. What do you literally say to share the gospel with them? And so this morning, what I want to do is humbly bring you into my world, because my world is the only world I know how to convey in terms of what I do with non-Christians, okay? Now, this, I, I, I do not have the only methods or methods, but I'm going to share with you two today that I use. So let me give you, first of all, just kind of as a backdrop or foundation to all of this, three keys that I use to share Jesus with non-Christians. This is kind of like the foundation. What I would share with you is this, by way of a big statement. Sharing Jesus with non-Christians, it is not a task. It is a lifestyle. My lifestyle is geared to share Jesus with non-Christians. I do not view it as a task. It's part of the way I do life. And so I think this will become apparent to you in a second. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, there's three things that are part of my lifestyle, how I live, that you can also begin to live this way unless you already are. Before I started teaching this, I always assumed all Christians live this way. And then all of a sudden I begin to realize, no, they don't. And the reason I realized they don't is they've never been taught. And so that's why I brought over 3,000 people through our life transformation seminars to teach these things. And so I'm given part of what I give in a four-hour lecture in 401, which is about sharing the gospel. You're going to get a part of it right now. The first thing is to pray. And what I mean here is developing a lifestyle of prayer for non-Christians. So this is how I live my life. Let's say I'm on an airplane and I'm sitting next to a guy. I'm going to give you a bunch of illustrations. What I will get to know, I'm going to get to know the guy's name, and I will immediately start to pray for that person. Lord, do you want me to share the gospel with them? Open their hearts. Give me the signs. Have them ask me a question. I'll be praying for Mike. Or maybe I'm out golfing, okay? I don't golf like I used to, actually. I, I haven't. I've got out one time this year. I just, I'm absolutely swamped with now missions and things. My life's changed. But when I used to do that, I would get to know the four guys I'm golfing with, three guys I'm golfing with. And I'm praying for them. Oh, Lord, open up an opportunity. Now, even though I don't get to golf now, I will go to the golf range and I will hit balls. I have to do that as part of my workout for my back. It's a long story. But uh, golf has actually healed my back. And so I had the motion, I need to continue to do that to just stay healthy so I can travel. But when, like, like for me, I get super excited when I meet a non-Christian, like this guy named Nick. I just met, he's working at the golf course there, and I met him, and, and I get to add him to my list. You say, what do you mean list? So 
every morning, and I say this just, you, you will develop this if you develop a lifestyle of gearing your life to non-Christians. Every morning, other than Sunday, six days a week, I pray for, well, it's over 50 non-Christians by name. Why? It's my lifestyle. These are all the non-Christians I've met over the years. And for me, you say, how do you memorize all those names? I pray in concentric circles. I start with my next neighbor, my next door neighbor, Jim and Robin, and then I go, and I just go wider and wider and wider, all even throughout the United States. Non-Christians that I have relationships with. And, and this is so awesome because it gives you so much confidence when you finally meet them again. Dude, I've been praying for you for three years. This is just how I do life. And a lot of these non-Christians, I meet, you know, every week or two weeks. But this, it's, it's prayer, okay? Um, is there a Gary Larson picture here? You know, have you ever been to a movie and everyone's like, focus, focus, and the guy, you know, he dropped his glasses and it's just kind of a crazy. What I'm trying to say is you need focus on your fishing pond. You need to pray not so much so that the non-Christian will be moved to ask Jesus into their heart, but so that your heart will be moved to engage the non-Christian in conversation. If you do not pray for non-Christians, the likelihood that God will use you like in a, a really profound way to share the gospel with them is basically zero because you're going to be so taken up by work and you're going to be distracted and you're going to forget the real reason why you exist and it's to reach non-Christians for Christ. So you've got to, begin, you've got to develop prayer for them. Colossians 4, 2, and 5, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray also for us that God might open a door for our message so that we may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. The only way you're going to be wise toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity is if you're praying for non-Christians every day. It needs to become part of your lifestyle. Second is, my goal is with non-Christians is become a friend, become their friend, become their best friend. And it's a lifestyle of friending non-Christians. I have a lot of non-Christians who are friends. Um, I work at this. It, what's a friend? You encourage them, you listen to them, you help them, uh, you you. You, you have fun with them. And my goal is always to just find common ground with a non-Christian. Okay, this is the goal. Paul said this. He said, 1 Corinthians 9, 22, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So I realize I do not have everything in common with a non-Christian. So here's me, you, and then here's them. And here's their life. Here's my life. I have this part that I, I look. What do I have in common with this guy or gal? Think about it. Think about your best friend. You want to know why you are best friends with them? Because you have a lot of this in common with them. And so when I'm with a non-Christian, as I'm getting to know them, I'm praying for them, I get to know what they value. Maybe they value the warriors. Maybe they value golf. Maybe they value family. Those are things that I can talk to them about. You see, I believe this. If I cannot relate to a non-Christian, I cannot expect that they will relate to my God. If a non-Christian feels like 
you can't relate to my life, how could I expect that they could have a relationship with my God? So I work hard at becoming friends as quick as I can with non-Christians. And it's not that difficult. You just have to listen and find out where you have common ground with them. Like this guy named Nick, who I've been praying for. Actually, no, it's another guy named Zach. Um, he, he, he wants to become a cop. Now, I've never been a police officer, but I know a lot of police officers. So whenever I see him, he's a non-Christian guy, I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? And I go, hey, you know, my son, he, he, he wanted to be a cop once, and this was some of the things I learned. And I pat, this guy has no father, and I'm just being a friend to him, and he knows we have common ground territory where I can speak into his life. And I'm like, I know a lot of cops want me to get you a ride along where he's just starting off and, you know, thinking along this direction. He knows that I care for him because I'm in his world. And whenever I see him, I can talk directly about cops. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about him. I'm de developing a friendship with him. What that's going to lead to ultimately is me having a lunch with him. And then I will ask him the question that I've taught you that I ask all the time. Hey, man, tell me your story, Zach. And then after he, I listen, he will then tell me your story, Mark. And then I start telling him my story, my testimony. I did a whole message in the book of Acts on how to share your testimony. You share that, and then you share the gospel. But, and we'll get into the gospel in a second. Um, I think there's a story of Yetzin. Remember I showed you this guy? I'm just sharing that I do crazy things to build friendships. I, I saw this guy in the airport. I'm like, what in the heck? Look at this guy. He's all tatted out. The guy was just nuts. And I'm like, and remember I had a tattoo that I did for my boys at Christmas. I couldn't get off. I tried, you know, it's one of those, you scratch it off. And I couldn't get off. Like, what do I have in common with this guy? And I like sat down and I go, dude. Look at my tattoo. And all of a sudden, we have a friendship. Everyone else in the airport was running from this guy, seriously. And I'm drawn. I, I'm just drawn to the weirder you are, the more I love you. I, I'm really strange. This is a missionary in me, okay? That's why I can go to any country, and I'm just like, I'm a sponge, and people know I love them because I do. I just do. I, for some reason, I don't have a fear. I'm actually drawn to that kind of person. This guy knew I loved him, and that's why I was able to share the gospel with him. But we had common space, and he was cracking up. He's like, you call that a tattoo? I mean, look, his whole body's a tattoo. But I'm just saying, the only way you develop this kind of love for people is you got to pray for non-Christians constantly. Jesus was what? A friend of what? doesn't say he was a friend of his disciples. Now, he was, of course. Man, how many non-Christians do you have as friends? You know, and that's great that you do. And, and just, so it doesn't mean you stop having friends with Christians. You need to have a balance. You need to have both. But uh, you get this by, some of you are like, Mark, I don't have those friends. You've got to start praying for, like, for example, if I was in, let's say you're at a business. You're at, maybe there's 100 people at your company. This is what I would do if I were you, okay? I'm just sharing. I would memorize every single name in that of every person that is in that business, and I begin praying for him. Every single one, I would know every name, and I would start praying for them by name. 
You know what's so exciting about that? Then all of a sudden, you don't go to work to do your work. You're going to work because you're going, God, what are you going to do? You're praying and you have confidence. Man, I've been praying for you for two years. And all of a sudden, God gives you an opportunity to be a friend to them. You're finding common ground. What's your story? They tell it. You share your story. And then ultimately, it leads to the gospel. Third thing is share. Okay, now that, all that was introduction. <laughs> now, you say, how do I share? Every believer needs tools of the trade to be effective. Um, yes, you have the Bible, okay? This is the greatest tool. Uh, and but how do you communicate the Bible? And there are tools available, okay? And I've studied them all. I'm going to give you two tools that I think are, are super helpful this morning. But think about it. If you want to be effective in your trade, you need to have the right tool, and you need to practice using it. So if you're like a carpenter, okay, here you go. There you go. You got a carpenter, you know. Uh, you need to know how to use a hammer, a wrench. We got another here. What is it? A doctor. You need to know how to use a stethoscope. You've got who else? A, a fireman. You need to, the tool. You need to use an axe. You know, these, I mean, and the more, the better you are at it, the better and more effective you will be. I mean, it's, I'm trying to make a very, very simple point. Question, what is your tool that you're using to share the gospel? Well, I don't have one, Mark. Well, no wonder why you're not sharing the gospel. You don't have a tool. You don't have a method. Now, the message of the gospel always stays the same, but the method changes. You have to have the right method. Otherwise, you just get overwhelmed. Now, this is what I believe. The most effective tools for sharing the gospel are tools that help you share the gospel simply and clearly. The more simple and clear the tool for sharing the gospel, the more effective it will be. Now, watch this. Only God saves. Would you repeat that after me? Only God saves. Only God can save someone. But watch this. God uses us sharing the message of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. No one is saved apart from the gospel. And the more clear and simple you can make the gospel, the more powerful the experience will be. Paul said this, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. The gospel is so powerful when you share it clearly and simply. See, my job is to share the gospel in a simple and clear way. Then I trust God for the results. That's all we can do. Now watch this. This is what I've noticed. Most non-Christians have never heard the gospel presented in a simple and clear way. I guarantee maybe one out of a thousand people in the United States, non-Christians, have ever heard the gospel shared simply and clearly. Every time, the most common thing I hear after I'm done sharing the gospel using one of these two things, always, 99 times out of 100, and I've shared it a lot, they will say to me, I have never heard this. It's because you're sharing it clearly and simply. You're using a tool that is speaking the language of a non-Christian. You need a tool. Okay. Let's jump right into this. I could share some stories here. 
But, but let me tell you one, just to share with you how powerful. I was with a father whose son had been praying for his father for years. Father's a non-Christian. And we were on a houseboat, and we were sitting at, and I saw John sitting there at the end of the houseboat all by himself. All the other guys were out front. And I, I sat next down to John with my Bible. And I said, hey, John, I go, have you ever read the Bible? And he said, no. Nah. And I opened my Bible to John 3.16, and I said, just, just read one verse. This is like the most famous verse in all the Bible. And he read John 3.16 out loud, and by the time he was done, tears. He literally started shaking. I said, John, do you want to ask this Jesus who loves you to be your Savior and Lord? Yeah. Right there in that houseboat, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now, what was the method there? Scripture? Seldom have I ever seen something like that happen. God obviously ordained it all. But more often than not, hundreds of other times, I'm going to share with you the tools that I've used that, that really are powerful. Two tools to help you share the gospel simply and clearly. First is this, Steps to Peace with God. You have on your table this little booklet. It's written by Billy Graham. I'm going to share with you how I use the booklet in a second. What I want you to do right now at your tables is to read them out loud. One page at a time. Someone's going to read it. If you don't feel comfortable reading, don't. But I want you to, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Read it. Go for it. Just one person does one page, the other the other. Get through the booklet. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. You may not have gotten through all of it, but I think you got through the gist of it to where you can understand what's going on. Now, watch this. Look at me. This is, written by Billy Graham, the greatest tool in the history of Christianity to share the gospel. The greatest tool, hands down, ever written by a person, an individual, to take God's word. It's been used more than any tool. I have used it more than any other tool. Hundreds of times have I used this. Now, how do you use this? I want to give you some guidelines. Keep them in your purse or in your wallet at all times. It's like the MasterCard. Don't leave home without it. Now, watch this. I shared with you a while ago, you know, the Kevin Costner quote, you know, from Field of Dreams, if you build it, if you don't have this on you, if you don't have a tool that you can use, why would you ever expect God will use you to lead non-Christians to Jesus? You don't have a message to share. Most of you are unable, and even myself, as a trained pastor with a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate in theology, it's not about making it complicated. I can teach and talk theology, deep theology, with any atheist and outbrain them. That's not what saves. What saves is simplicity, clarity, the power of the gospel clearly given. We have to humble ourselves as Christians and put your life in the shoes of a non-Christian. And the only way you're going to do that is if you begin praying for them and befriending them and you get into their world and you see how lost they are and how they need something as simple as this. Step one to using it is you got to have it on you 
all the time, all the time. And guess what? As you have it on you, you will be amazed at how God will bring people to you who need it. You got to have it. You can buy these in the bookstore by the hundreds, and you should. You develop several introductions. Now, this is the, after you are praying and befriending and you've shared your story with non-Christians, this is the easiest introduction that I use. You know, hey, man, let me get you a Bible. Have you ever, ever read the Bible? You know, the Bible's the number one bestseller in all history, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Never read it? No. I guess it's kind of thick, isn't it? I mean, the Bible, you know, it's a big, thick book. But did you know that it could be summarized, like, in just a few little pages on a little booklet? Would you be interested in just hearing the summary of the Bible? And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. you got to figure out your own introduction, but have several of them that you feel comfortable in using. Here's another thought. Read it for the person if you have the time, but let them read the scriptures. So you, you treat this like it's gold because it is. And when I sit down with a non-Christian, I will open it up after they say, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I sit down next, right in a chair next to each other. Make sure they don't have the coronavirus, okay? And you can, all right? And if they do, they really need this book, okay? And then you read the words, but then when it comes to Scripture, you let them read the Scripture. Why? There's power in the Word of God. Power. Most non-Christians have never read a verse of the Bible. I've seen many non-Christians, just from reading the Scripture, they come to tears, and they can't even finish the book. They've never read the Bible before. You got to have a heart for non-Christians. And so you work through this with them. Read it. Take your time. Now, if they ask a question, and depending on who they are, they probably will. This is what you do. You say, they may go, well, what about evolution or whatever? Say, man, that's a great question. Let's get through the book, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. Your goal is to get them through this. And by the end of this, Honestly, what I found, 90% of the people I take them through, they, they pray to receive Christ. All those questions are gone because they've come to know Christ. Um, give it to them to read later if you don't have the time. There are many times I just don't, I know it's not the time, but I will hand it to them on the golf course or wherever I'm at. I'll say, man, we built a friendship or a relationship, but they don't have the time. Check this out. Read it at some point and get, always write your name, your phone number, your email on there. But give it, sometimes you just don't have the time. Give it to people to read. Um, if they pray to receive Christ, encourage them to get a Bible or mail them one, pray with them, help them find a church. Some of you are still like, I, I do not know how to tell you how powerful this booklet is for a non-Christian. It's this powerful. I've trained hundreds of people in its use. One family... Parents, they brought the booklet home. They set it on their little family kind of area. Their fifth grade year daughter, fifth grade year old daughter, came into the house when they were at work, and she found it. And she read the book. And here's a picture. She wrote Jessica, gave her heart to Jesus. From just finding this book and reading it, because it's so clear. For many of you, the, all these non-Christians around your life, they look at you and they admire you. They know there's something different about you. But trust me, they probably don't know what it is. They know you're a Christian, but they don't know what a Christian is. They don't know how to become one. 
you and I must help non-Christians to clearly and simply understand the gospel. That's where the power is. So I encourage you, I implore you, you know, have these always on you. I guarantee, and this is what, you know, I'm getting off track here, but, but man, when I used to have the time, when I, when I just became a Christian, first thing I started doing, I remember I became a Christian in my room all alone, and I, I, my prayer was, if you will forgive me, oh Jesus, if you will save me, I'll tell the world about you. I started that night sharing the gospel with non-Christians, that night, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, what do you do with the greatest message in the world that saved you from hell where you're going to heaven? You tell everyone, and you want, the easiest way to do it is to have a tool. This week, if you just sit down with someone and read this, we will see dozens of people come to Jesus. Dozens. Dozens. What a legacy that would be for you to go to heaven and see hundreds of people that you personally have led to the Lord because you just used a simple tool. That can be your legacy. It's that, it it really is that simple. If you will pray for non-Christians, be a friend to them, and ultimately, they will give you permission to read this to them. Wow. Okay, how can you see yourself using this tool? I want to give you two minutes to talk about that, and we're going to go on to the next tool. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome up to this stage, ready to receive Jesus as his Savior and Lord, Mr. Randy Carter. Welcome, Randy, to come on up here. All right. So, Randy is a guy I met on an airplane. This is what I, for the first 10 years of my life, I used to have to peace with God. And all of a sudden, I learned another method. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is my method because I love to be interactive. I love to be personable. And I started with the steps, and then this is what I learned. But I have my own version of it. I don't know anyone that does what I do here in terms of how I present this. And it's not about you taking on my method. It's you finding a method you feel comfortable with and using, okay? So, uh, but I want to share with you what I do all the time with non-Christians, okay? So the first thing, how you doing, Randy? Doing good, brother. Thanks, bro. It's been great just flying with you. Here we are, 36,000 feet up in this airplane, man. I can't believe, you know, we're hanging out, getting to know one another. Good, that's working. And uh, so, man, dude, I know we've shared each other's stories and everything. It's crazy. We're up here at 36,000 feet. Yep. If this plane were to crash, can you imagine that would be terrible? But do you, do you know where you'd go? Like, seriously, do you know where you'd go if we both died? Well, we'd go down. We'd go down. <laughs> I know. You know, one of the things, you know, that, and, and I'll, I'll talk this way because I can joke with guys at this point. I mean, I have a friendship with them. you got to build, this is all predicated on them. prayer, friendship. Hear the story, and now, you know, we're going to go into this. So, man, you know, I, I know you were sharing with me that you've never read the Bible, even though you have one right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but if I could, you know, take the Bible, the number one bestseller in all history, and literally show you on one sheet of paper the message of what God has to say, would you be interested in that? Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, then I'll do that. So, you know, Randy, I'm telling you, the thing that's amazing about the Bible is there's only two subjects, main subjects 
two main things that are talked about, entities, in the whole Bible. And it can come down to us and God. That's the two main things the Bible speaks about. And you know what the thing that you see in the Bible is that God, he loves us. He loves you, Randy. God is the creator of everything. And he cares about you. And the big thing about God is he wants to have a relationship with you. And let me give you just one scripture that I can give to you. It's called John 3.16. And this is probably the most incredible verse about God in the Bible. Why don't you go ahead and read that right now. Now, as he's turning there, if I have the time, and we're going to assume Randy, you know, he's going to know. He's going to save me time. But what I will do is I will open. I'm going to give you the long version right now. The short version is I don't have him read the Bible because we don't have time. But we're on an airplane, so I'll have him turn to John 3.16. I'll open it up. I'll hand him the Bible, and I'll have him read the Scripture. So go ahead and read the Scripture about God, what it says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, God loves you, Randy. I mean, that, that is the main thing that the Bible says. Now, the Bible says some things about us, too. And I'm going to have you turn to the book of Romans and read some things there. And let's start with Romans 3.23. And why don't you read that little scripture, and I would flip there, and I'd open it up to him. I'm drawing this, and I'm also, what does Romans 3.23 say? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, all. You believe you're a sinner, Randy? Absolutely. We're all, all of us, huh? You know, and there's one other verse there in 623 that says a little bit more about the sin also. And, you know, sin is just doing anything wrong in our thought, mind, and deed. You know, uh, we're not perfect. You know, what does 623 say? It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the oh. gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, God has no sin. He's holy and righteous. We are sinners. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The reason or the consequence of us in our sin, and this kind of be, can be depicted in this way, there's this like separation between us and God because we're sinners. God's holy and we're sinful and there's separation. It's like, when's the last time you like literally saw God? We, we don't see God. If you look in the book of Genesis, like the first three chapters, if you read it sometime, God created Adam and Eve, and they had this amazing relationship. God used to walk with Adam and Eve, like literally talk and have a relationship, and it was perfect. But God said, the day you eat of that, that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And from that point on, guess what? There was separation between us and God, because God's holy, and now we're, we're sinners. And that's why, you know, where is God? Well, we're, we're sinful, and no one can be in God's holy presence because of that sin. Now, the story of the Bible gets worse before it gets better, so I have to give you a little bad news. The Bible says this. If we don't kind of get this worked out with our relationship with God before we die physically, that we will literally spend eternity in hell. That's a terrible thing to say, but, but it's important for me to share that with you. Now, there's a scripture in 1 Peter Chapter 3, verses uh, 18 and 19, I want you to read. And go ahead and uh, read that, if you would, right now. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. Sorry about that. I got that one wrong. It's 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. Go ahead and read that, Randy. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, insult 
with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because of this you were called. Did you give me <laughs> That's that? First Peter, Second Peter. Oh, Second Peter. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, there we go. No problem. Second That's Peter. the reason you should open this up for me, <laughs> Mark. Yeah, exactly. All right, three, eight through nine. Yeah. If my eyes can focus here. But do not forget the one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, God loves you so much. He is patient. You think about all the times he's been patient. He doesn't want anyone, you know, to go to hell. He wants us all to come to repentance. And I always cross out the word hell. So, what, you know, what's the solution to all this? Well, God provided the solution. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came here to this earth on a cross. And then I'll write 1 Peter. And uh, I'll have you read that, Randy, 3.18. Let's go ahead and have you read that. And, you know, God sent his son Jesus as the go-between us and God. And 1 Peter 3.18 says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body that made alive in the spirit. Yeah, Jesus came to bring you to God. So I will always do this. So here you are, Randy, over here. Like this is where we all start. God wants you over here with him. But, you know, this is where we're at. And let me just ask you a question, Randy. Between where you start here as a sinner and where God wants you with him, where would you put yourself in your relationship with God right now? And I hand them the marker, and I let them wrestle with this. Now watch this. 90% of the people will put an X right there. And oh, I've had some people go there, some there. One guy way back there. <laughs> and wh wherever they put an X, I go, that's awesome, Randy. What that is telling me is that you're an honest, you know, person. You recognize that you fall short of God. You're a sinner. But you're like moving, and you want to go in this direction. How do we get made right with God? Well, guess what? The Bible gives us one word, and that word is faith. Faith. Now, faith is something we exercise all the time. Like right now we're up on this plane. You had to have faith to get into this plane. that would keep us up in the air at 36,000 feet. Yeah. If you lived in San Francisco and you were to go to Marin, do you know what bridge you'd have to go over? No, it's called the Golden Gate Bridge. And you know what it takes to go from one side to the other? You just have to have faith in the bridge. You have to have faith in Jesus. See, we demonstrate faith all the time. And, but here's the thing about faith. God wants you to exercise faith in his son Jesus to bring you from here to there. Faith has two parts. First part of faith is, and I write belief, down here, is that you have to, according to God, believe that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of God. He came to this earth to die on a cross. He rose from the grave. You have to believe the basics about Jesus. There's another side to faith, and that's to receive. You've got to receive Jesus into your heart. You know, God offers you a gift, but you can reject it or you can accept it. And if you want to accept the gift, that's receiving the gift. And all of this is talked about. And then I'll write John 1.12. Why don't you go ahead and read John 1.12. This gives us both sides of faith to help us understand what faith is truly when we exercise it. The Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 12 says this. 
Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name. So yeah, when you believe in Jesus, when you receive him into your heart, you become a child of God. You become one with God. And I'm going to give you one more verse to read, and this is Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 20. This is such a good scripture. And let's have you read that, Randy. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate. Toler- Re- Revelation 320? 320. Yep. Oh, two. Sorry. There we go. Go ahead. One more. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So Jesus, you know, he's been, you probably, if you look back in your life, you realize he's been knocking on your heart's door for a long time. And you know what? He's inviting you into a relationship with God through faith in him. Let me just ask you if this makes sense, because you might go, well, how do I go from here to there? How do I actually, you know, exercise faith? You just pray. It's a prayer. This is what I did. You heard my story, you know, when I was 20 years old. Jesus changed my life. This, let me ask you if this makes sense to you, Randy, a prayer like this. Dear God, thank you for bringing me here next to Mark on this plane. I, I thank you that, yeah, I do believe in you, that you created me, that you love me, that you care for me, that you're even speaking to me right now, that you're a holy God. I admit to you, I'm taking him through the diagram. I admit to you that I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm separated from you, and yeah, my sins deserve hell, but Lord, I pray that you would save me from hell. I want to right now exercise faith in Jesus Christ. I want to put my belief in you that you are the Savior of the world that went to the cross. And furthermore, I want to receive your gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins into my heart. I I sense you knocking on my heart's door. And right now, the best I know how, I want to put faith in you, Jesus. Does that... Now, this is where I'm telling you, 98% of the time, the guy's in tears or the gal's in tears, and they're saying, I've never heard this before. Randy, would you like to pray that prayer? right now and i'm telling you i've in bars have i done this one guy's like i mean we can pray right i go yeah god's right here they have just never heard it so clearly and simply shared and so after they hear me pray the prayer and i said would you like to pray that prayer so they know what they're going to pray you don't just know hey would you like to pray a prayer of salvation they don't know what that is you have to tell them by using the diagram what it is and then say okay Let's pray. I lead them in the prayer. So I'll do part of that right now with Randy. You just say this after me to the Lord. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for bringing me here. I believe in you, God. I believe in you, God. That you're holy. That you're holy. That you love me. That you love me. That you care for me. That you care for me. That you want a relationship with me. That you want a relationship with me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. Separated from you. Separated from you. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I believe you, Jesus, died on a cross. I believe, Jesus, you died on a cross. And rose from the grave. And rose from the grave. And right now I want to put faith in you. And right now I want to put faith in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I want to receive you into my heart. I want to receive you into my heart. To be my Savior and Lord. To be my Savior and Lord. I will follow you. I will follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for this miracle. Thank you, Jesus, for this miracle. Making me right with God. Making me right with God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Give Randy a hand. Thanks, bro. So it, 
and again, okay, let me give you some guidelines for sharing this. Develop several introductions. Assuming that you are praying and friending and you've shared your story, what I find to be the greatest introduction is this. Everyone in the world basically respects the Bible. But everyone basically in the world doesn't understand the Bible if you're a non-Christian. And if you offer to explain it to them on one sheet of paper or one little, you know, booklet, it's hook, line, and sinker. They're so curious that you could do this. Sometimes I'll say to them, hey, you want me to share with you God's message for you in five minutes? You got five minutes? I can do this in five minutes. I can do it in 10 minutes. I can do it in an hour. Depends on how much time I have. Um, they are interested. Non-Christians are extremely interested in spiritual things because God's created them for that. And if you can deliver it for them, wow. You can practice it by yourself and on a believer. This is what I would share with you to do. Practice it by yourself. The, the tool is only as good as you are at using it. And practice makes progress. It does not make perfect. You will become better and better and better at this. I could tell you stories and stories. Some of you have seen many, many pictures. And often what I'll do after a person's prayed to receive Christ, I take a picture with them and I send it to them so they remember me and the experience. Um, I've given you a copy on the table. The navigators have their method of sharing it. I find this dated, um, but you may find something in there that you like. You say, Mark, how can I remember your method? We, we recorded this. You can go on there. You could memorize what I shared. You could practice that. See it again and again. Practice, practice, practice. Practice on a Christian first. Let them give you feedback. Always have a non-Christian, if you have the time, read the scriptures like I did with Randy. If they ask a question, and, and a lot of them will, just say, great question, affirm them. Hey, can we talk about that after we're done with this? Um, write your email and phone number on this. I don't know how many of these I've written like this, and then on the back of it, I will write my name and email, and then I will get calls later. If they pray to receive Christ, well, Encourage them to get a Bible or get them a Bible. Pray with them. Help them find a church. Okay. You know, are there any questions you have about the use of this tool or the other? Anyone here, you're just like, I'm dying. I got a question for you, Mark, and it'll be helpful for me to answer that for everyone. I'm happy to do so. Anyone got a question about any of that? Okay. Is that clear? Amazing. Go for it. Real loud. Absolutely. You can use this with students, with children. Well, it depends. It depends how, how well you practice it. You, if I'm going to do it with kids, I'm going to use stories. Now, there's other methods for sharing the gospel with kids. And when I share the gospel with kids, I take them through a different method. Because you're adults and most of you have adult friends, um, I would use one of these two methods. If you're with kids, I use colors called the wordless book, the colorful book, and that's another method that I use around the world, and that's powerful with kids. That's what I would use with kids. Okay. Um, let me give you this uh, picture. This is a picture of Rita, I think. I'm looking at the clock. She's just one of hundreds to the glory of God that I 
honestly, I just go, are you kidding me? I have that privilege of seeing Rita, and you guys were a part of that story. We prayed for her. This was in Italy. We loved her, befriended her, and what did she say? Mark, can I please get some time with you? I need to understand what these people believe. And I took her through it. It's so clear. It's so clear. And uh, God will use you. He will use you. You need to make this your own, uh, it, but have a tool. As a Christian, we can't go through life without a tool that we can use, that we feel comfortable sharing the gospel with. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, time has gone by so quick. So many stories I wanted to share. But Lord, what's been shared is, I suppose, good enough, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would bring us, uh, each of us as Christians, to the point where no one here is called to be me. I'm not called to be anyone else. We're called to be us. And yet, Lord, I believe that there is a tool that each of us can use that you want us to go with to share the greatest news in the history of the world, Jesus. So, Lord, whether with children or adults, God, wherever we go, we want to share the gospel. If we build it, they will come. If we have it, God, what an opportunity. Help us, Lord, to realize that our purpose for living is so much bigger than our job or whatever it is that we're humanly doing. But there's something spiritual that you're doing in building your kingdom that's eternal that you want us to engage in. Encourage your people, I pray. I pray this has been encouraging and life-giving. And may it be so, I pray, for all of us. All God's people said? Amen. Amen.